0: Welcome to Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. This week is a continuation of my discussion with Pete GK. Last week we talked about the rules of time travel in different sci-fi universes. This week is a totally different vibe. Halfway through the conversation that Pete and I had a week or two ago, we just went in a completely different direction. We started talking about feminism and racism in sci-fi and then just in general in our culture as a whole. Conversation got really serious and really intense. I think this might be the most intense discussion that we've had yet on the show. Just listening back to it, it's like, damn, like we really going for it. It's it's kind of a bizarre thing to hear two white men talk about racism and feminism, but I think uh, I think it was a good conversation. I I stand by it. Uh, I think that this is an important thing to talk about if we want to make sort of social progress in our culture. And as I say towards the end of this podcast, one of the biggest reasons that I love science fiction is that it brings up these sorts of issues and and holds up a magnifying glass to them to look at them through a different lens, through the lens of another society looking in or through us looking out towards another culture, be it aliens or uh, humans in the future, something like that. So it all very much ties into what I love about science fiction and the progressive nature of science fiction and just me as an individual and what I want for humans and for society and where I want us to go and to grow towards as we grow as a culture Uh, and the short answer is I want us to become Star Trek (laughs) that's where I want us to grow to so this episode also has an awesome musical performance at the end if I may say so because it's me but I'll tell you more about that when we get there obviously The Force Awakens has come out holy shit do you guys see it do you guys see The Force Awakens did you see it Oh my God, I saw it. I'm not going to talk about it in this episode because I know there's some people that still haven't seen it. Uh, And I also, I just love this conversation with Pete. I wanted to get this out in the world. I've already started recording podcasts about The Force Awakens. My friend Gene came over last night. We were going to go out dancing, but we accidentally got too drunk and then recorded an hour of us talking about The Force Awakens instead. I'm going to see it again this week with my parents because they're coming to town, so I have this secret plan to try to sit them down and podcast with them after about their thoughts on The Force Awakens, and I really want to get Jenny Kranz in the room to talk to her about it. Uh, Jenny, one of the panelists from Sci-Fi on Trial and maybe the most fervent Star Wars lover I've ever met, uh, you know, equally equally fervent as me. So, I really, I want to get all these different opinions in it, bring them all to you, i Probably going to be talking about The Force Awakens for the next several episodes, if we're being honest here. It's all I want to talk about at this point. But I'm going to hold off on that, give everyone a chance to see the movie before we dive into it. Uh, so if you remember last week, we had some audio issues where there is like some background noise of the radio stuck in the cables. That is still present in this episode. I can't figure out a way to get rid of it. I've tried all of my old tricks. None of them are working. If anyone has any ideas out there about how to reject RF frequency from from the recording setup, please let me know. I have ferrites. I have shielded cables. They are not working. The last time I had these issues was when I was living on the third floor of a building that was right next to the Como news station. So uh, right now I'm living on Capitol Hill. There's these huge uh, like, radio towers at the top of Capitol Hill, and this apartment is four stories up from where I was before. So I think that I'm just too high to be getting a clean recording signal in my apartment. So this might just be the way it is for a short time. Uh, The plan is supposedly for me to move back into the apartment that I was moved out of before the water damage happened. So fingers crossed that that will still happen, and I'll be back in a place where I can record cleanly. But until then, if you have any ideas, for the love of God, why are you not sharing them with me? Please share them with me. Please. Something really cool that I wanted to share with you before we get into this week's discussion. I got my first review on iTunes. iTunes. Uh, very exciting, by Clark uh, Clark One, with four Gs, by Clark One, what a great name. Uh, I'm going to read this review to you, because it made me really happy when I, when I read this today. Jesse has put together a fantastic sci-fi show that digs deep into allegory, symbolism, and meaning. This is a passionate podcast, fueled by Jesse and his myriad of guests, who bring you a gamut of sci-fi literature and pop culture. Plus, you get to hear from tons of talented musicians, including Jesse himself. Five stars. Thank you, Clark One. That makes me feel so good. Uh, If you're listening to this podcast and you enjoy it, uh, I would love to hear from you on iTunes. The way that the podcast store works on iTunes is that your rating doesn't show up unless you get several ratings. So at this point, it's still showing up uh, that I do not have enough ratings to display an average for the podcast. So do me a favor, give me a five-star review. If you think that I'm worth less than five stars, don't fucking review me. (laughs) But if you like the show, uh, please head on over, give me a a review. That would be wonderful. And if you want to support the show, I've got my new Patreon page set up. Uh, You can become a monthly subscriber to The Sci-Fi Project for just a dollar a month, or more if you want to, but all it takes is a dollar a month. You get access to a special video message from me dancing and singing with my with my synthesizers, my little handheld synthesizers, it's a lot of fun. If you sign up for $3 a month, there's some bonus podcast content that you'll gain access to. Two things that I have up in there right now. One is the Minisode, the lost Minisode that I posted and then took down the same day because I thought it was terrible, but a couple of people asked for it. So if this if you want to hear it, this is how you can hear it by subscribing for $3 a month on Patreon. There's also 20 minutes of never-before-heard bonus content with Anika Silo, one of my absolute favorite guests. It was from the Brazil podcast, episode 15. We talked a lot about having sex with time travelers covered in Hitler's blood, so if you want to hear that, <laughs> that's the place to do it. Uh, Patreon.com slash Sci-Fi Project. Your support means the world to me. Okay, here we go. Pete GK, diving into the discussion.
1: What like experience stories being told in the same sort the of time moment. frame yeah i, I mean I've, I've totally been on like a netflix kind of kick and we're just like oh we could get cable but fuck it why pay more money um but i, I miss that i miss being able to yeah the anticipation of waiting for the finale especially too
0: yeah i've been uh like right now i'm just netflix and hulu so i'm getting that in a lot of ways where well in the ways in one way, it's Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I'm, but I mean, I'm watching like really stupid television that I really love. Like I'm yeah. watching like Scandal and Once Upon a <laughs>
1: Time and Oh my uh, gosh, wait, have you seen Jessica Jones yet? I haven't seen it yet. Oh my god. Okay, is it awesome? It's it's really good. I wasn't like overwhelmed by Daredevil. It's um so me and Emily. Uh, we watched Daredevil together, and yeah. she she was definitely of the same kind of mindset. She like she tolerated it because I was getting really into it, um, and then we started watching Jessica Jones, and I was like, "It's in the same world as Daredevil. It's gonna be amazing." <laughs> and she was like, "Eh," and then I was like, "Let's just give it one shot." And like, so we watched an episode, and she was like, "She was on board," really, and, and I was like, "I was not as stoked as I was for Daredevil, uh, for Daredevil, but um, it's still like really compelling, and it, huh. it it's a comic book." the the way i've been describing it to people is it's a comic book tv show for people who maybe aren't into comic books or comic book tv shows interesting but it's equally accessible so like if if you're into like the flash or like any of that kind of stuff you Yeah be...
0: i just saw the flash for the first time and i loved it i it's, thought it was so fun
1: i still need to get into it it's on my list but like i really want to check it out
0: yeah and i i love those types of shows i watched so much smallville i almost made it to the end with smallville one day i'm going to finish it but I think seasons five through seven of Smallville are just fucking awesome,
1: dude. Okay, I think when Smallville was airing, I was for whatever reason on a Big Twenty Four kick. Yeah. So like, I just like at the age I was at, I didn't have the capacity to like switch between whatever I was into. So, but like Smallville, that's like it's a sort of a modern day telling of of Superman's origin yeah. story, right? Yeah. Well, you know what's great about Smallville uh, is that I should I should preface all this with I hate Superman. So, oh whoa! Yeah, whoa! Yeah, I'm sorry. Why do you hate Superman? No, it's it's interesting. Why do you hate Superman? I th- what did he do to you? <laughs> <laughs> I think in terms of um, stories you're gonna tell with like superhumans or like people who have special powers, um, Superman like he's it's like cheat mode. You know, it's like he's got he's huh. got super strength. He can fly. He can laser shit. He like he's got all these powers. He's already stacked. Like people can shoot at him, and it doesn't mean anything. You know, he yeah. can just take it. Um, so I think when you have all those powers, it makes it hard to tell a compelling human narrative. So that's sort of interesting that, so the reason I love Superman so
0: much is that he has absolute power and it hasn't corrupted him. And to tell a story about someone who is ultimately an incredibly pure human, but to have it be an alien I think is really compelling, like really compelling human drama. And this is why I love Smallville so much is because they really hyped up the sci-fi element of Superman. He's an alien, you know, like he comes from another planet and he's growing up on Earth trying to figure out how to be human because he's not. And his powers are manifesting and and he's going through like teen drama while that's happening. And I'm such a sucker for that kind of stuff. Like I really loved it. Uh, I mean, I always loved it. Like the first few seasons were very much like monster of the week and it was just fun. Mm -hmm. But then something happened like seasons five through seven were just so, so epic and engaging and engrossing and exciting. Very similar to what happened with Stargate where you take a show where it's kind of like a fun vibe, but then you go a little tiny bit serious with it. And all of a sudden the stakes are so high because you've been having so much fun with these characters for years. And all of a sudden they're in like some real turmoil and peril. Uh, and then Michael Rosenbaum, who played Lex Luthor, who was uh, brilliant, left in season eight. And it took a sharp downturn. And then I didn't even make it through season nine because I, I got really bored. I got, to, like, two episodes away from the end of season nine. My understanding is that season 10 – well, the, the whole arc of the show is kind of bringing Clark Kent more towards Superman.
1: Okay. So so he never he never dons the, the – I'm not costume. 100% sure. Like, I – the the
0: show creators said that he was never going to. But I have a feeling that the last episode that's what it's gonna be.
1: Something but like I don't know because I didn't mix into there. a phone booth and then his Yeah, leaving. Maybe
0: like the last shot of the show or something is him like doing that. But I, I didn't I didn't get there. the the rules for like Al, I think their names were Al Go and Miles Miller, if I'm remembering correctly. Their rules were no flights, no tights. So <laughs> there was yeah, you're not gonna see Superman fly and he wasn't gonna wear the outfit. And he could take giant leaps, which was the original thing for Superman, like he would take giant leaps, yeah, he what would can,
1: can jump over a skyscraper in a single bound or something yeah, like yeah, that like, yeah, exactly, uh, but then at some point that became the power of flight Holmes. <laughs> that's which was a tenacious defense. so <laughs> so that's funny because that's exactly um actually in in Jessica Jones, they sort of talk about uh spoiler spoiler, sorry, um they talk about how like she like oh can you fly and she's like it's more like jumping really high and falling <laughs> gracefully like yeah. um which is so that's funny i didn't know that that was actually how uh the original superman character was sort of um introduced and also yeah. i think i forget that clark kent is an alien and maybe yeah. that's why i think i think my neglecting to remember that is probably why i'm not able to appreciate the narratives told mm-hmm. as well interesting because if you just assume like oh You know, when I look at Superman, I think, like, this all-American gentleman from Kansas or wherever, like, who just is always doing good, like, and and nothing's ever wrong with him, and everything's great, and he's super strong, and I'm just like, uh, it's just, it comes off as corny, but I guess it sounds like Smallville might actually have something to offer in terms of narratives. I think Um, so, for sure. Okay. There's a
0: lot of, like, teen drama that a lot of self-respecting adults will hate.
1: I that I love. Love. No, I, I love shit like that. Like, I, I, uh,
0: yeah. As I just <laughs> as I just revealed to my <laughs> listeners, I love Once Upon a Time in Scandal, and like, <laughs> uh, Scandal's my guilty pleasure show. And it's funny because like now, since I've started doing this podcast, there's people that want me to listen or to to watch things or to read things, um, and it's all like awesome stuff that's being recommended to me. And there's a part of me that feels even extra guilty that I'm spending all this time watching Scandal <laughs> and Survivor. But, you know, that's like the point, the point of this is not to to do anything for any reason. It's just to be excited about shit and talk about it. And oh, totally. Most of what I'm excited about is science fiction. Yeah. So it works out great. But I also love drama. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and, and Supergirl definitely felt, the few episodes of Supergirl I watched... I only saw like the first three. When when did that come out? It's very new. It just yeah, came out. I, I thought I saw something on yeah. Twitter or something like There's that. There's maybe like eight episodes that have aired. Okay. If that. Uh, it felt so similar to early episodes of Smallville. Except oh, in, in a way where it was almost frustrating to me because I'm like, I've seen this before. I don't know if I want to go through this again. Um, because I was disappointed with how the show went. But the... I I real the actress is amazing and I, I think I only felt that disappointment in the first episode because in the second episode they went a little bit different direction uh, and it's like it, just because the show's in the same tone doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the same show yeah it was yeah. a very similar tone which was interesting to me because it's a different network years later uh, I mean Smallville it, what's it airing on uh ooh, NBC okay I don't remember hmm. I, don't, I, don't. I, 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 don't, I don't know I watched it on Thanksgiving break when sure I about- <laughs> yeah i know i don't know i don't know networks
1: my, my parents were watching and i watched it with um cbs abc one of those yeah okay um i i, I didn't realize how arbitrary of a question that was until i yeah. came out of my mouth. <laughs> i was like uh, i know netflix i i i love what netflix is doing in terms of um their, their programming that they're actually starting to come out with now because yeah. they have so much it's like hbo um but i think at times a little bit more adventurous it's like Hmm. Or maybe not. Maybe it's like a happy medium between normal networking and uh, sort of the freedom of HBO. You can yeah. say fuck on it. So that's there. true. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I small 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 small
0: <laughs> Supergirl uh, really intrigued me. My favorite thing about it was Supergirl herself, and I wasn't completely sold on the rest of the world, like Allie McBeal's character. I'm like so felt a little. Mm. I, wait, Calista Flockhart's character—I <laughs> always, always think of her as Alan McPhee. Uh <laughs> Felt a little superfluous, and so much of the story has been told so many times before. Um, what is Supergirl's origin story? I, I don't—you know—I don't know anything about the comics, but in the okay. show, she was sent to protect Clark, mm. but got sucked into the Phantom Zone and came out um, way later. So Clark had already like grown up on
1: Earth. By the okay. time she made it to Earth. Because she was older when she left. So she remembers Krypton a lot better than Clark does. So she was like something like 17 when Clark was a baby and then just arrived.
0: She, I think she was like 8 or 9 when she left. And then arrived when Clark was already a full-grown Superman.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: so then, but instead of watching over her, he kind of leaves her to become her own person. And then when she reaches adulthood, she decides to kind of take up the mantle of hero. Um, which, it's really interesting. And, and she's... Uh, Melissa ben, Benoit I think is her name she's, I mean she's the reason to watch the show because she's just fantastic and it's also just really exciting to have like a female driven superhero show on TV or it's, which both, both of these are now that I think of it like Jessica Jones too. Yeah,
1: and, I mean it is, it is super rare though that yeah, you see that happening
0: there should just be
1: both and yeah. now, now that there are just both that's great uh, what matters more is that it's a good show right yeah and I, think, I think I know exactly what you're talking about where it's like like just tell me a good story, and that's all right. I want to hear. And I think right. Jessica Jones does it, it like in such a good way.
0: Like, right. Totally. And telling you a good story involves telling it in a in a way in a way that is gender equal. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. because like the way that stories are told so often are flawed because it's the old Hollywood premise of the strong white man coming to save the damsel in distress, and that's right. Not and... necessarily a good story in in the pure sense of it because. That story
1: has been disproven in a way because it's not representative of our society anymore. Totally. And also like when you look back at narratives, it's like it's even like if it were if it were like like a you know, a plausible story to tell, it's been told so many times that it's like, just fucking tell me something new. Like that's all I want to hear. A new story is a woman saves the day. We've been told the opposite for so long. I think that we need to course correct by telling the opposite story. And dude, okay, seeing Jessica Jones kick ass through the entire series is fucking amazing. And yeah. and they really they they do. Um, I spoiler spoiler. Um, I I do think they actually also address some like really interesting issues around uh, uh, consent in. Jessica oh wow! Jones. Because the because the the villain is a guy who can tell somebody to do something and they'll just do it. Yeah, and these people end up forming like a little. Uh, you know, people afterwards are like, "I did this, but like I didn't want to, but my, like I was just doing it." So it, they they bring up some really interesting issues that. But I mean, that's only if you want to kind of go there. Um, yeah, you can still watch it and just be like, "Whoa, holy shit! This is a great like comic book show." So. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy what's happening right now in in media, where such a big deal is being made over um, Wonder Woman. And like, it's frustrating because it's just like, like this should have been there for so long. Like the, the fact that people are doing it now and kind of saying, Hey, I'm doing this, you know, like they're kind of showing it off. Yeah. It's a little frustrating. Cause it's like, well, yeah, you're doing it and you're fucking late to the party. Like you should have been doing <laughs> this like decades ago. I don't know. I mean, there's been, there's been incredible like female heroines. Uh, I mean, Buffy being like one that jumps to mind, and also like yeah. Linda Carter is Wonder Woman, Zena. I mean, there's yeah. been oh my God, yeah. incredible things that have come before, um, and now I feel like people are like people are saying this is the first like female-centric show. Well, I mean, that's not true. I no, mean, what they're talking yeah, about like Superman or Super Supergirl. Yeah, um, but it's all but it's all for the better because like we do need to course correct and we need to kind of go in the other direction because Absolutely, it's just yeah. been like male-centric for so long. But I don't know. I've always felt weird about these things because I grew up on Star Trek, which was a very um, like progressive show as far as like gender issues are concerned. Yeah, where you're just and racial issues too, correct? Yeah, racial for sure. Well, just all the society issues where they kind of push it push it upon you all the time that all creatures are equal, that that
1: that you just treat people equally because that's what they are, and and then that's then you don't question it. You just move forward from there. I think that's one of the really interesting things about sci-fi that often gets um, dismissed or overlooked by people viewing sci-fi communities from the outside. Yeah. So it's like, ooh, a bunch of pasty nerds, like... <laughs> da, 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 da. And I Proud of know, it, damn it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, fuck you. Like, I learned some good things from this world. Yeah. Um, or like, you know, this sort of community. And I, I do know that Star Trek was revolutionary in a lot of ways. It was like one of the first shows that... Um, displayed like a, an interracial romance and a it was bunch the, of other the stuff. first interracial kiss on television. No shit. Yeah. Look at that. I mean, that's that's it's, two, it's, two it's two weird. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm just like, I'm trying to. I, I mean, I have a hard time understanding why that's a problem in the first place. So I'm just like, right, that had that had to be a first thing that, that, had, to, that right. had to be a first. And the cool um, thing is
0: that yeah. us not having a hard time understanding why it's a problem is because of Star Trek, yeah, which is incredible. <laughs> Um yeah so like when i so i grew up just assuming that men and women were equal and then got older and just like distanced myself from anything that kind of showed a an opposite point of view like i've always been really uncomfortable with any sort of sexism mm-hmm. and i've also always been really uncomfortable with like like machismo and with yeah. uh like testosterone driven environments like sports and yeah. <laughs> um, like all this other kind of stuff just because i never felt like those worlds treated women equally so i just didn't want to be a part of it you yeah. know what i mean I, i've gotten like an arguments before where people are like well yeah well we need to go the other way we need to do the opposite we need to kind of move really far in the other direction to make it equal and i think that that might be in a way moving backwards because what we need to do is just be equal i don't know what it's like to you know To not be represented in media the way that women have not been represented. Right. But I will say that the the most positive representations that I see are the ones where they just treat them equally. And you just don't even talk about the fact that the inequality has existed for so long. You Mm -hmm. just start with equal and then tell a story. And then that's the way that I feel like it really changes the way that I think, you know? Well, you know, that's like what I grew up with, and that's what shaped my thoughts is that it's just equal to start with.
1: And I think that's – I was just having this discussion the other day with somebody where it's – here's a main character. The main character happens to be a woman, and she is going to kick ass, and we're going to tell this great story through her. If you just do it, like, yeah. you're just like, here it is. Yeah. And and we're not going to make a big deal about it. Yeah. But the fact that it's there is itself a big deal. Um, yeah. I think that's way more important than
0: um, – I agree. Yeah. I agree. Totally. That's exactly what I am saying. I'm, I'm so glad that as
1: men, we totally agree.
0: Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. But I also have to say that like men getting on board with feminism is super important. Absolutely, and, uh, like us having this discussion and trying to work it out amongst ourselves is is important. And I mean, maybe we're getting it wrong, it's, but at least we're having the conversation. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard. Like in uh, I'm editing the the last episode of the Sci-Fi on Trial for *Fandom Menace* right now. Yeah, and the for the idea for *Sci-Fi on Trial* was that I would have seven questions, six of which we ask of every movie, and then one question that's different for each movie. Mm -hmm. And for episode one, what I chose was, is this movie racist? And (laughs) it's a really awkward discussion to have, and the panel was all white. So we're having this discussion about racism. The thing about racism that bothers me is that we are all one race. So like humans are a race. And anyone who says that like people from a different continent or a different race, that's crazy talk.
1: We're fucking one race, yeah. you know? And it's it's like it's definitely all it's more of like a, a cultural thing. Like and Right. We have cultural differences. That's the difference. Is yeah.
0: cultural. It's like uh, the the way that people look is is completely besides the point. You know, right. it's it's the cultural differences that really set people apart. And the people that judge other people based off the way they look, we obviously know that those people are stupid. Miles, what's up? Miles just wants to be wants his head scratched. Um, so he's
1: concurring with your point.
0: Yeah. So I'm so I'm already like, I don't know. The word racist bothers me just because we are all one race. So
1: to be racist, you literally have to have aliens. You know. <laughs> so what you're saying is that perhaps people are racist against Clark Kent. Exactly. So
0: yeah. Uh, but so to, like, have a discussion over whether or not a film is racist, um, with the connotation of that being, like, Jar Jar Binks and, like, yeah. the the whole, like, parallel to minstrel shows that's been brought up many times, uh, everyone on the panel got really uncomfortable immediately when we started talking about it. And then yeah. when I was editing it, I was like, this is an awkward discussion. Um, and it's interesting. I I feel the same way right now, like, two men talking about feminist issues where, like, we want – We want to be a part of the conversation because we want it to move forward, and then where is our place in that? Like, what? How do we fit into that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. And uh, you know, I think it's one of those things where um, I'm glad that we are having this conversation right now. And you know, I think it would be our. I think we would have a. I I think we we actively have a responsibility to listen to. You know, if we're talking about feminist issues, we have a responsibility to listen to the female voices. For sure. We're having a conversation about racism. um, Even if it is a conversation where it's just like seven white people talking about racism, um, that's great. But then when that conversation ends, we also have an obligation to listen to people um, who kind of are more informed than us and come from different experiences and being able to like inform us about, hey, this is what I've experienced as a black person. This is what I've experienced as a Latino. This is what I've experienced from whatever walk of life. Um, Yeah, totally. So. Yeah, but but also having those conversations amongst our own, like whatever in group that we happen to be in, I, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. it's pretty important, especially when we're talking about shit that we love, like sci-fi or um, you know movies or comics or anything like that, because they're the kind of things that um, I mean, you can you can go back and look at old old comics and see that like they they were just like everybody was white and yeah for. So if you're a white kid looking through that, that's not a big deal for you. But you know, if if you're black in you know the 1950s and you're reading a Superman comic and you don't see anything, I, right? So. Yeah, I mean,
0: there's there's all these like, subtle ways in which racism and like stereotypes affects people that you just don't notice if you aren't one of those people. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like I'm my my limited experience with this is um, being Jewish and growing up in a Christian culture. Because because Judaism is also a quote unquote race, you know, it is it's a cultural heritage. So some people right. consider that a race. I, I think that as a culture we need to move away from considering that a race. But anyway, it's a cultural heritage. So uh, it's it's not just the religion of my family, it's also, you know, where I'm from. Like yeah. my my ancestors are from Judea. Like, ancient Israel. Yeah. That's where my lineage traces back to. Uh, like, both sides of my family were from Russia, like, Russian Jews. Mm-hmm. And I'm not religious, but I am culturally Jewish. Mm-hmm. You know, even though both sides of my family are from Russia, I've never thought of myself as being Russian. I've always That's thought of really myself as being Jewish. And oh. I I once dated a Russian Jew, and her family was, like, like her parents moved here from Russia. Like, she's the first generation that was born no she, wasn't, no, she was born in Russia. But, so, yeah, <laughs> so she's Russian, you know, and she speaks Russian. And she knows the culture and the heritage of Russia, and I do not. And I mentioned, oh, yeah, my family's from Russia too. She's like, yeah, but you're not Russian. And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. I've never considered myself to be Russian. So That's so interesting. I think you're right. I'm Jewish. That's like, wh- where am I from? I'm Jewish. That's yeah. my answer for that, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's really weird. But but anyway, I, so... I shouldn't say... <laughs> no, no, oh, that's yeah, it's weird, man. So, oh, um, so my limited... So because of that, when people say things against Judaism, it feels to me like they're saying it against me as a person, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, growing up in a culture where people were telling me that I was going to hell and that they were only friends with me because they were trying to convert me or like I couldn't, you know, be or like around them or like a uh, part of their circle of friends because I wasn't Christian. Um, those things are very common and happen all the time. And it, w- it was damaging in a way. I mean, and, and it, w- but it wasn't that bad. And I think about it for someone who physically looks different. Cause I didn't physically look different and kids are mean, you know, and I think yeah. about it from the point of view of someone who physically looks different and is also has, also has that cultural difference, mm-hmm. uh, how much worse that must have been. And I can try to put myself into the mind of someone who's experienced racism their whole life. And, you know, I've got very close friends who are black, who are, uh, you know, Latino, who are Asian and they've all experienced racism in, in one way or another more so than I have having, having like a little tiny window into that world makes Mm -hmm. me understand it better than I would otherwise. And it's, it's, crazy it's just crazy talk it's so insane i mean for the, the for anyone to judge anyone based off of anything when they don't know them it's just so crazy it just it just makes me crazy and
1: i increasingly when i when i have learned that you know i'll, I'll talk to somebody every now and then and then i don't know i don't know what this is this happened more when i had a shaved head and a big beard but every now and then i'd be taught i'd be in a room full of white dudes and then somebody would be like They would say something like, like it would be totally normal conversation. And then somebody would mention something arbitrary, like, oh, football or something or other. And then this person, like whoever it was, like this happened usually when I was traveling. I I was traveling the country for a long time. Um, And then somebody would be like, well, you know how those people are. And then, like, look at me, like, ha ha. And I'd have to be like, "Whoa, no, 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 no! You're not bringing me into your bullshit." Like, <laughs> um, but I I noticed that it 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 whatever I don't care. It, it, it tended to be people who were from like smaller, the, like hmm. predominantly white places who had had zero interaction with any other group other than like Protestant white dudes. Wow. So, uh,
0: so uh, here, here's my question. Like if you go to like a different country'cause I mean my experience of the world is based off of living in America, if you go to a different country, mm-hmm. are people as entrenched as in racism as they are here, like and the predominant racism here is white people being racist against other people that aren't white yeah um and is it just is it just America like are
1: we just so far behind on the cultural curve? I don't think it's just America because I've definitely heard about um you know I've heard from friends in like the UK and particularly in France and all that stuff about how there's a lot of racism. I mean, again, it is from whites towards, um, you know, anybody coming in from the Middle East or from Africa. Oh, what the Um, fuck? Yeah. Morocco (laughs) in particular, people in France were super like, super weird about people coming in from Morocco.
0: Like my, my experience traveling and I have been, I've been to a bunch of
1: places in Europe and, I haven't been outside um, the U.S. I should mention that. Yeah.
0: So my experience traveling is that, like, other cultures are like, "Oh, you're from another place? That's really cool. Why don't you come in and have a drink and tell me about it?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that. That was my, and it's it's it makes me so embarrassed. To I, there was many times on that trip where I was embarrassed to be an American because of one of two reasons. One, that being the reception that we would get. From people of all shapes, sizes, colors, creeds, anything. Mm-hmm. Or two, um, a lot of people were just like upset with Americans because George W. Bush was president.
1: Oh shit! Yeah, when I was traveling. you were traveling during yeah during
0: that time during that time. <laughs> I was it was uh, I was eighteen or nineteen during that trip. Um, I took two trips, two back-to-back summers. My sister and I went on a trip, and then my parents were jealous and took us on a trip the next summer. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was, it was really interesting. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, just think about, I just think about people I've known that I was really close to who, who grew up in another country or who were born in another country but grew up here, and their culture is very welcoming. Yeah. Um, and our culture in many ways is not. But in many ways is. I mean, maybe I'm
1: being unfair. Like, there's so many places in America that are so welcoming. I mean, and I think that's kind of the weird thing about the U.S. is that, like, it's so vast. Whereas, like, if you go to, I I mean, I've seen maps of, like, um, you know, how you can fit the U.K. plus X, Y, and Z country within the U.S. Um, And some of them, like, you can fit, like. England and France within Texas, I think. I could wow. be. I, I could be wrong again, demonstrating my ignorance as an American. Like I have zero knowledge of geography um, <laughs> and like spatial sort of configuration. But um, but I mean, yeah, it's like if you if you go to uh, you know Texas and you're talking to somebody with a French accent, like, and it's like rural Texas, you're probably not going to get a great reception. Um, I mean, you might be like physically harmed. Yeah, you know there, there are places, and I shouldn't I shouldn't talk shit on Texas. I actually have some good friends in Texas yeah. who changed a lot of my perceptions. Shouts out Taylor, um, but like, I mean, so I, I grew up in San Diego. Okay, like East County San
0: Diego is very racist, and there there were places. I mean, there there were times where people were getting into fights, like physical violence, because uh, I mean, not just like. White kids beating up, you know, black kids, but also like fights breaking out between like Chaldeans and, and black kids and Chaldeans and white kids and black kids and white kids and all, all the different combinations, you know, like (laughs) fights breaking out for every reason, um, that had to do anything to do with the color of someone's skin. And it was a very strange environment to grow up in. Yeah. And I'm, it made me very cynical about race relations. Mm. And then I moved to Seattle and it's just so wonderful here. I mean, people are very accepting here. And I feel like the way that you look doesn't matter where you, the, who you are matters. Like who's like the person inside kind of is encouraged to come out and be what matters about you.
1: you know, it's really weird when people talk about Seattle because I, I hear this whole thing. It's like Seattle is predominantly white. And I was sort of looking into that because I, I, operate mostly within the, um, downtown sort of, uh, the pioneer square to like central district yeah. and, and, you know, between that you have downtown and, uh, Capitol Hill and everything. And I feel like it's much more diverse. I mean, I, 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 think it's much more diverse than, um, than like it actually is reported. Sorry, I'm hmm. snapping, but interesting. Um, yeah. Because I, and I that's think good, yeah, and I think that's because they they take like when they when people talk about Seattle, they're talking about everything from South Center up to I think um Northgate might be the like right before like shoreline is like the edge okay. of city limits, yeah, and so there's a lot of different areas there where but like if you're in like downtown Seattle, it's a very diverse place, um yeah, like, you're right, I don't, know. But. you're right, I'm just really anxious to get to the future in which
0: we're all like so we've all everyone's had sex with everyone yes and yes um (laughs) i love i love the idea that humanity will become a race and not just in the way that i'm thinking of it in the fact that we all like the human race but in the way that other people think of race as well where we're one culture and and that has physically manifested because everybody has fucked everyone else our, our, our skin
1: will become gray, but I'm sure that like somebody yeah. will be like, um you know, gray some, <laughs> <laughs> or some kind of like you know, it'll be some like muted like i don't I don't know what who knows, but I guarantee I guarantee some jag off like two hundred years from now it's gonna be like, Oh, your hair is blonde. Oh, oh, blondes are inferior, like oh, or something like that, or yeah. or people with brown hair are inferior. But yeah, I, I think there is a, a simple-minded people will always want to divide people along little yeah little differences. There. Where do you
0: think this comes from? I thought about this a lot. I I, I think that maybe th- this comes from the f- the yeah. idea that like when you're a kid, you don't know who you are. Or when you're not just when you're immature, you don't know who you are. Yeah, like be it as a person or as a society, Mm -hmm. and that to find other people like you gives you a way to define yourself. To find other people who aren't
1: like you fills you with fear because then you don't know who you are in a more intense way. There's this concept of the looking glass self. um, What's that in sociology where we. We reaffirm who we are through other people and other things. It's like you look at yourself. Um, what is, so a looking glass is like a mirror. Yeah. So you identify by seeing things that are like you. So when you see something that is not like you, and if it's not like you in an extreme enough way, um, it can – it threatens your idea of self, your sense of self. Yeah. Or it can. So. Um, yeah. Now, and, you know, there are some people who say that, like, this is a psychological imperative, and um, that's a little more rigid. But there's uh, other folks within the sociological community who are like, no, there are, like, there are other things other than what's immediately threatening to you. And you can find those things, and there, we have more in common than we let on. I wonder if that's, I wonder if that sort of, something that simple could be the basis of,
0: of why racism has so permeated our history.
1: But... I mean, I think there's a lot more, well, of course there's yeah. a lot more to it, but I'm, I'm just
0: like, wondering, like, like, what's this, what's like a simple, like, why I just, why I just don't get it. You know, I, yeah, it just bothers me so much and I want to understand do, because do you, I feel like if we could
1: understand racism, we might be able to change it in some way. Dude, that's like the million dollar question though. You know, it's like, how do you, how do you get there? Like, do you yeah. have, do you have a, this isn't, <laughs> do you have a racist relative who comes around during the holidays that you no. fight with? Okay. Neither do I. So, that,
0: I like, I have that a friend who who I discovered was racist after knowing him for quite a while.
1: No kidding. Yeah.
0: Like, how long did you know him? Uh a year, a year or two, year and a half before I found out he was racist. Because he he would make like jokes, and I thought it was funny because like sometimes saying something so racist can be funny, you know? Right. Because or, or because like, it seems like you're making fun of
1: racists. And yeah, it's funny. Okay, so that's my, like, my weird thing about, like, irony. When, like, so, yeah. like somebody, like, people who, like, you know, post-modernity or whatever, people will be like, ugh, they'll say something, and you're just like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, fuck those ignorant people who actually think that way. Um, but yeah it's, it, in a weird way, it's created this safe space where, like, people can then say things, and right. you think it's a joke, and then you're like, oh, fuck, you meant that. Right. And then how do you, ha- I, I had a similar, my, my tell your story mine was condensed to a single evening it was oh. very quick but um uh, it's actually something i mentioned on the the
0: sci-fi on trial episode that i'm editing right now where he uh was saying something racist and i said to him you know that that's like racist like what you're saying like i thought you were kidding but i think you're actually being racist he said no no i'm not racist what i'm saying is true like this is just true it's not racist if it's true and right. And then like my jaw kinda of hit the floor. That's the moment where I was like, oh wow, like Yeah. This oh, is oh shit. True racism. I mean it's an interesting thing because that one group that we're looking at is not representative of an entire culture because that's physically impossible. It is I mean, impossible like to ever represent an
1: entire group of people by the actions of part of that group. I'm I'm just assuming here that this person has had an whatever group He's interacted with a marginal percentage. So yeah, I, I mean, and yeah. I think if somebody is spouting off about whatever group of people, I mean, it, I, at this point in human culture, we know not. I, this is not like we know that the assumption that any group of people being less than or being of like of a substandard than some other group of people, we know for a fact that that is incorrect. And right. I think that is absolutely how we should move. You know, it, when addressing those issues. Because it's... Right. I don't know. I, I, I have no time for that.
0: Yeah, so. totally. I mean, like, take uh, like extremists. Uh, like, people blame Muslim extremists for everything these days. Yeah. Which is frustrating because the the literal translation of extremist is going to be a minority, you know? Mm-hmm. So, to blame extremists for anything is insane. Because, like, you blame the extremists themselves. You don't blame the, the group that they're a part of, you blame the extremists. You blame there's like a thousand people, and three of them are extremists. Don't blame a thousand people. Blame three.
1: Right, and you know there's this. This is so not sci-fi, by the way. Uh, I <laughs> know, like a, but I mean there's um, you know, people complain like, oh my god, extremism or whatever, and it's like, yeah, like like this is a a fraction of a fraction of like people. Right, like it's so negligible, but. Um, but unfortunately
0: the, that negligible amount is causing a huge amount of damage and uh,
1: uh, both to I mean, both like physically and like mentally and emotionally and culturally I mean if, if you look within the US the majority of the terrorism that's happened here has been from people like us people who look like us um in mm-hmm. the last 10 years or so I mean outside of uh, more recent instances like San Bernardino but
0: that's true I guess.
1: I mean um, like uh I mean look at Sandy Hook or um even I mean 1999 you had like
0: Waco Texas and
1: yeah like all that stuff yeah, and the Unabomber. The the FBI has consistently released reports that have stated that like I don't even I don't even know how we got on the subject but like the FBI has consistently released reports how, uh, about how like the their the like they're they're sort of the people that they're most worried about in terms of extremism within the US are uh, white right wing folks. Really? With guns. Yeah. Often, often gun activists. Interesting. Yeah. just weird.
0: So, yeah. I mean, when, the...
1: when plugged into, which is something interesting to consider when plugged into the global war on terror. Um, yeah, totally. But time travel, right? But time travel.
0: Yeah. So, okay. Bring it back to sci-fi. <laughs> the, the reason that like sci-fi means so much to me is that it's the thing that has caused me to look at these things in my own life and in yeah. the world around me objectively and critically. Uh, Star Trek being the biggest one because the way that Star Trek gets – the in the future timeline of Star Trek, the way we get past racism is by becoming a part of a galactic environment where we truly become one race in humanity. And when you are accepting people of other uh, – who are born on other planets into your family and your crew and you know your circle, then – the lines between one continent to another on a planet become meaningless. So, yeah. uh, humanity grows, and and I think that a lot of people on this planet have grown because of those stories. So I think it's just so powerful and important. And uh, you you said earlier like how do we? I think you said earlier like how do we change that? Or maybe I said that. I don't know. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, what? <laughs> but I think the way we change that is through story and through cultural awareness through story. And I think the fact that right now, as we sit here talking, there was a Star Wars movie in which one of the heroes is black is huge Yeah. because I think that... And, and then another one of the heroes is a woman. Um, well, several of the heroes are women at this point. There's so much like cultural growth from this casting to the original casting. I think that the impact that Star Wars has had is now mani- made manifest through like the many years that it's been around. So now the people who are making this new movie recognize that to cast the movie in a way that the first one was cast would be kind of a crime. Yeah. you know. And that's progress. I think that's great. Uh, you know what really excites me? Uh, do you read The Dark Tower, Stephen King books?
1: I don't, but I'm aware of it. I know, I, everybody swears that it's like the greatest series ever. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, it's really
0: up and down. But when it's up, it's as good as you'll read. When it's down, it's quite bad. But uh, <laughs> I just heard yesterday that Idris Elba was cast as Roland Deschain, the gunslinger, the main character. I think
1: I just saw somebody posting
0: about that. It might have been you, actually. It was me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I uh, I literally got chills when I read that because I've been following the production of this movie for a while, and it has gone in and out of development hell. And at first, um, what's his name from Gladiator? Um, Russell Crowe. Yes. Russell Crowe was cast as the gunslinger, and I was just like, fuck. Fuck. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Not <laughs> Russell Crowe. Like Roland Shane being one of my favorite characters of all time. Just incredible character. Just this like gruff cowboy who just has so much depth that you don't really understand when you first meet him, but you gr- get to know him and love him over time. Yeah. And, I, I, and Russell Crowe is just like wrong. Wrong for the part. And then that <laughs> version of the movie fell through. And then it came back around and then they said that they'd cast Javier Bardem as the gunslinger. Who I, and I was like, "That's better." Still I, it didn't it wasn't quite right. You know, I'm like, "I'm going to go watch that movie. It's not quite right, but that's better." And then that fell through. And then Idris Elba was cast and it's just like this tingling went off inside of me. I was like, "That's him. Like that <laughs> is Roland. That is him. And he can do it." You know? Yeah. Like I believe in <laughs> Idris Elba as Roland Deschain. I believe in it. The um, first story that's incredibly important to me, uh, and I've actually written a song. One, one of the first songs I wrote for the sci-fi album was about the Dark Tower, which
1: is more fantasy than sci-fi, but it crosses all genres. That's, I've heard I've heard it described as somewhere between like fantasy and sci-fi. because yeah. it's is it in the
0: future?
2: Th-
1: that would be so hard to explain. <laughs> uh, but
0: uh, so. The, the other thing that really excited me about Idris Elba being cast was that he's just the right man for the job. And the fa- like the color of his skin did not matter for finding the right man for the job. And that is such huge progress because there's this whole thing happening right now in comics where it's like, we're going to make like black versions or Latino versions of white characters. Yeah. And I don't quite know how to feel about it.
1: Kind like, of like like maybe it's sort of like Instead of it just being spider like, instead of having it be a Spider-Man comic, they're just like this is Black Spider-Man or something like that.
0: Right. Instead of like making a new character that, yeah.
1: uh, I don't know. Well, it's, it's like
0: pointing out the problem when you do that instead of like moving forward. But it's, it's better than nothing. And yeah. I've heard that Miles Morales, who who is like the new Spider-Man, is awesome, and that's great. But
1: uh, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's nothing wrong with it. I don't know. But. But I think it. I think it kind of. It sort of varies on the on the character. Like I remember when um, this was back. Ooh, when was uh the, whatever the Spider Man movie was after, um, after emo Spider Man <laughs>
0: Spider Man three the, the yeah. Amazing Spider Man
1: yeah 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 the reboot with uh, Andrew Garfield yeah yeah so okay. before Andrew Garfield got the job I remember um, uh, Childish Gambino. The guy from Community. Um, um, so Childish Gambino, like, he ended up getting he he got an audition for the part of Spider Man, and um, he was like so stoked on. It. He's like, oh man, and, like on Twitter, he's like, oh, I got to audition for Spider Man today, and then somebody like replied and they were like, oh, this is this is fucked up. Like Spider Man would never be black, and like his response was, you don't think that right now in Queens there's a black kid with a penchant for photography who like. <laughs> Like, like you don't, you don't think that character exists? That that seems unrealistic. That like that one would assume that that doesn't, that that doesn't like a, that's not somebody already within the world. So I think, and I, I do think that Marvel has a tend, I mean, you know, m- media institutions have a tendency to sort of be reactionary and just be like, oh well, look how progressive we are now, and just like force something down people's throats. But I don't yeah. know, are they are they just doing it within um, uh, how how's that happening? I don't know. Just in the comics. Okay. Yeah. So so they're just going to be like Oh, it, like it's it,
0: it, When I heard about it, I, that's what I thought. I'm like, are they just trying to are they just trying to look good by doing this? Yeah, but but from what I've heard about the way that that character has grown, it's it's real and honest and like Miles Morales is Spider-Man in like a real way now. Yeah. Which is really cool. Where like people were saying when Oh, so
1: it's a it's like a hard reboot. So like Peter Parker's, like way out the door.
0: I don't know. I haven't. I haven't read any of it. I've just okay. been like following the story of it because when Marvel, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, made that deal with Sony, where they're now going to like reboot Spider Man, there was
1: talk about is it going to be Peter Parker or is it going to be Miles Morales? Okay, as Spider Man. I mean, I think okay. So I, I get that. This is sort of one of my my gripes with um, with superheroes. I I totally get that it's like modern mythology and everything. But to a certain degree, I am kind of like, what if we just kind of let let it all go and we and we did come up with like something new cuz it's yeah. it's i love comics but after a certain point it does get boring and yeah. after a certain point there's only so many stories you can tell with the characters he got i mean yeah it's cool okay so it's totally cool that like the x men existed and they were like a way to sort of process race relations in america when they first kind of came out and now like they're sort of being used to sort of process the LGBT movement and that's cool. But also like, wouldn't it be great if somebody else came along and had another cool idea? Like, hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I think both this, this space for both,
0: like people talk about, well, we don't need a new Star Trek show. Cause like we've had so many, I'm like, I need a new Star Trek show, <laughs> but I, I would also okay. love to have something new that I've never heard of before. Um, I think both. Yeah. Good point. But yeah, so the, I was thinking about Idris Elba and I was thinking about the gunslinger and there's oh, no, yes, <laughs> there's no need for that character to be white. You know, there is no need. Like i just thinking back to the story, like the world that he comes from doesn't matter what color his skin is. And the only reason I think of Roland as being a white man is because the, there's a lot of art out there of Roland that's been drawn and he's always drawn white and I don't know it's been a while since I read the books I don't remember if he's written as being white or not Hmm. or if that's just how I think of him because that's how he's been drawn so casting someone who can play the part is the most important thing and like talking to anyone who's a good actor who might be able to play the part is the right answer and then casting someone who can fucking pull it off yeah (laughs) it, it gives me chills like it's so exciting uh, and I'd love, I'd love for us to be at the point where that's where we're going. Because I mean, the it's interesting because I was talking about this last night uh, with, with some people, because uh, Idris Elba was just up for James Bond. There was all these rumors that he was going to be the next James Bond. Oh, and, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. People were like in an uproar, They're like, well, you can't cast a black man as James Bond. <laughs> I'm like, why? You know. Uh, but like, James Bond is in many ways an institution where in the in the way that Spider-Man is an institution uh like they didn't they didn't just recast Spider-Man as a black man being Peter Parker they like they and he's not even like he's like half black and half latino Miles Morales in the mm-hmm. comics so they kind of created a new character to make him ethnic in some way other than white yeah and i don't know i don't know it's like we're we're entering into this murky water where there's no right answer but we just need to be in the water because we need to be swimming in a different direction.
1: Yeah, and I think so, that that's super important too because yeah. for so long it's just been sort of like hey, every superhero is white. This is how it's going to be. It was mo. It was predominantly white for most of the time. Yeah. So, which is it's interesting. I mean, I
0: wonder because like I, I think as as white people we don't necessarily notice that, and
1: then until oh, it's pointed dude, it out, I, right? Yeah. Until it's like, pointed I, out to you, and you're like, oh shit, that's fucked up. I, I remember, I mean, and that's how, that's how it's sort of been for, I think, in a lot of ways, you know, whether it's superheroes or like, I, I never considered certain places um, threatening until certain people in my life, whether it was women or, you know, friends who are of different ethnicities were just like, I don't like to walk down this street or I don't like to go through this part of town. Because when I do, people yell at me or people look at me really weird. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I I could see that being uh, definitely part of the, uh, the, yeah, like if you're just consuming any kind of media and it's all people who don't look like you, it's got to be alienating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We live in a very strange world. We do. It's fucked up. Yeah, The future sucks, man. (laughs) <laughs> the I don't future know. is not what we were guaranteed.
0: Well, I'm such an optimist that I feel like it's just getting better constantly, you know? And, like, uh, part of starting this podcast was, like, wanting to talk about stuff like this through the lens of science fiction. Because mm-hmm. that's where it is examined the most, I think, in pop culture. So, yeah, I always, I always think we're getting
1: better. I do think we are. And it's so interesting because so often the trope about sci-fi people is that, like, it's a bunch of, like, angry white nerds just, like, debating stuff. Not that we are not angry white nerds right now. Because we are. Yeah. We are absolutely those things. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think when people hear, there are certain sectors of Twitter that are just, like, me, like, super against any sort of progress in terms of Mm. how narratives are being told. So, um, yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm feeling a running out of, of yeah. words. <laughs> um, man, this, this has been fantastic. This has Thank been you. awesome, yeah. I, I, yeah. A- everyone that came in and interviewed for Sci-Fi and Trial, I've just been like, I want you on the show. Like, <laughs> I want to do a full episode with you because I want to talk about shit. Um, but yeah, it's if I had done anything other than this on the night that The Force Awakens came out, where I wasn't watching The Force Awakens, I would have lost my mind. So yes. thank you for coming over. <laughs> I'm happy
1: to because I would have lost my mind as
0: well. Yeah. So, <laughs> And thank you for the wine and cheese. This is the first time that someone else has fed me. Usually <laughs> usually I'm like, have whiskey and chocolate or tea.
1: I'm more than happy to bring more wine and more cheese. Well, thank so. you. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll do this again. Awesome. Yeah, high five. That was good. (laughs) good. It's a solid high five. Yes,
0: I didn't even look at your elbow. I still made it.
1: I know, making it work.
0: Yeah, I would. I would recommend we do another, but I don't want a chance that it would be bad. So (laughs) let's leave it. Leave it right there. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for having me. There you have it, my friends. I hope you enjoyed that discussion. I'll definitely have Pete back on the show, and you can hear his thoughts on Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace on my other show, Sci-Fi on Trial. Both of these podcasts are part of the Sci-Fi Project. You can learn more about that at jessemercury.com. As I mentioned, I have a very special musical performance for you on this episode. When we were talking about The Dark Tower, it reminded me of my song, Oh, Susanna. I was first inspired to write this song as soon as I finished the second book in the series, The Drawing of the Three. And most of the lyrics are taken from that book in particular. But I didn't finish the lyrics until I was done with, I believe, book four. So there are some references to things that happen in books one through four of the Dark Tower series. So if you haven't read it yet, uh, this song doesn't spoil anything. But if you have read it, I think you'll really, really enjoy this. I played this on an instrument called the harmonium. It's like an accordion and a keyboard combined. It sits on your lap. It looks like a keyboard, but it has a pump on the back that you pump with your left hand as you play with your right hand. Or at least that's how I do it. It was uh, the, the Harmonium was a gift from Barton, who you remember, one of my best friends from uh, episodes 5 and 6. Barton's coming back to town for a short visit soon, which I'm really excited about. But uh, anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting off topic here. So I played this song, Oh Susanna, on the Harmonium just for you. I just recorded this a second ago uh, as I'm recording this voiceover. This is a song that I'd really like to include on the sci-fi album. Uh, I, Dark Tower is mostly fantasy, but I feel like there's enough sci-fi in it to justify including this song. It's one that's just been dying to be recorded. I just need more time, you know. One of these days I'll get this get this down the, the full synth pop version of it. So, here it is. Oh, Susanna. <laughs>
2: The great divide. The pusher pushed aside a puppet to the rails. Thank you, sir. Susanna. Oh, oh.
0: really love that song. It brings back all these great memories of the one time that I went on tour with uh, John and Naomi, we, who you've heard on the show before. We used to be a band called Smith and Unicorn back when I was good old Jesse Plaque. <laughs> and we went on a West Coast tour and we played songs of John's and songs of mine together as a three-piece. And this was one of my songs that we played, and. One of the coolest nights of the tour was when we were down in L.A. We played at this venue called On the Rocks, which is right above the Roxy. It's like a private club above the Roxy, and it was full of people. And uh, that song, when we performed it, was the highlight of the tour for me. It was just a really magical moment of the tour. And there was a couple of times on the tour when there was people in the crowd where I could see the moment of recognition in their face when they realized that I was singing about the Dark Tower, which was so much fun. It's just so cool. I love... I love having these shared nerd moments with other people. It's what life's all about. So next week, all about The Force Awakens. It's going to be all about The Force Awakens for the foreseeable future. (laughs) Probably at least two episodes, maybe three. uh, Just really getting into everything about this movie. I want to talk about all of it. There's so much to talk about and I can't wait. There's a couple more things I want to leave you with this week. First of all... Uh, Following up on Aaron Eisenberg, who I discussed in my last episode, he went in for his kidney transplant, and he's doing great. I've been following the updates. The surgery went well. He and the donor are both doing well at this point, and I'm so happy to hear that, and I'm really excited to say that the message from last time reached Aaron, and he hit me up on Twitter and said he'd love to come on the podcast when he is recovered, so what an amazing thing to look forward to, Aaron Eisenberg coming on the show. And I'm not a count your chickens before they hatch type of person, but I, I'm i sharing this news with you just because the fact that he even said he'd like to do it is so exciting. With some good fortune, it will actually happen because now the door is open and that's really cool. Something else that just happened this morning... I'm sure several of you out there have heard of Star Trek Axanar. It's a fan-made film that has been in production for a while. It was a massive success on Kickstarter. It's a film that takes place before the timeline of the original series, talking about the war between the Klingons and the Federation. It's something that a lot of people have been really excited to see. The proof-of-concept trailer was excellent. Ian and I talked about it on episode 19 or 20 of this show, about how excited we are to see it. And it is in jeopardy, and we need to rest. Rally fans. We need to rally behind Star Trek Axanar. CBS, as we all know, has announced that they are producing a new Star Trek series, and they filed a lawsuit against the makers of Star Trek Axanar, trying to shut down the production. CBS has never had a problem with fan-made films before, but they're claiming now that the success of the Kickstarter and the excitement involved with Axanar, it's infringing on their copyright because it's so popular. I cry bullshit. They are just trying to make sure that they get all the credit or all the money or all the whatever it is that comes in for Star Trek since they have a new show coming out. I think it's very short-sighted. What they're not realizing is that they're going to make the fans turn against them and maybe not be as excited for the new series as they would be otherwise. And they also don't recognize the fact that any Star Trek coming out at all is raising awareness, raising excitement for the universe and that can only benefit their show. So by shutting down this fan-made production, they're only hurting themselves. I don't understand why they'd wanna do it, but it enrages me because so many people have put in so much time and money to this project that's been going on for years that CBS has had no problem with up until now. So what can we do? Well, the first step is to sign the petition To stop CBS from pursuing this lawsuit, just look up on change.org, look for this petition, support Axanar, and sign it and share it. Let's show CBS how much we care about the freedom for fans to create fan films. This is a big deal, guys. There's so many fan films out there, so much great stuff. The Red Shirt Diaries, Star Trek Continues, so much stuff. Uh, I mean, Star Trek Renegades is a fan film. We need these things to continue. It doesn't matter if we like the product or not. What matters is the right of the fans to express their adulation for Star Trek through creating their own content. That's so fucking important. So let's let's make sure that it continues. You can look at my Twitter page, at Sci-Fi Project, I've shared this petition. Or look up hashtag, I stand with Axanar to find this change.org petition. Because the, the URL is a long string. It's not an easy thing for me to describe on a podcast, so... Just check it out. Look it up. And I'll I'll put a link to it on my website, jessemercury.com. Let's get the word out. Let's make sure that CBS does not shut down production of Star Trek Axanar. And that's going to do it for this edition of Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury, episode 25. Can't believe it's been 25 episodes. Somebody actually called me out a couple days ago for having never given credit to the person who wrote the theme music for the show. And in my own defense, I wrote it. So (laughs) I thought... I assume that you know I'm I'm a synth pop artist. People would assume that I wrote the music for the show, but apparently that is not the case. So do not worry. I'm not uh, sh- I'm not shortchanging anyone except for myself. All the theme music that you hear for the show, the introduction music, uh, the song that you're hearing right now, I wrote all this stuff to tie it together, sort of tonally with the sci-fi album, because this podcast is very much intertwined with the creation of that album as it goes along. So never fear. Jesse's here. That was so stupid. I'm leaving it in, because it just, I don't know, leaving it in. All right, I'll see you soon.